This is the OTP4D, presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Plan on Farm Bureau Health Plans, making it easy to get the health coverage you need for less than you think. Visit FBHP.com. Four downs from the Titans' win last night over the Green Bay Packers, 27-17. Amy Wells and Rhett Bryan are here. I am Mike Keith. First down is your play that turned the game. Amy Wells, you take it first. Mike Keith, can I cheat just right off the top? (laughs) Sure. Because this is not a play. It's a series of plays, and essentially it's an entire quarter. So I need you to just bear with me because (laughs) I think that there are a lot of things that happened in the second quarter that contribute to my bigger point. So just a refresher and very Cliff Notes version of what happened in the second quarter. The Tennessee Titans had an incredible drive that spanned 10 minutes. They moved almost the entire length of the field. They ran, what, 19 plays, but then they generated zero points. And it was incredibly disappointing, and it felt like a huge momentum stop. First red zone possession of the year that did not produce points. There you go. See, that only helps my case here, Mike (laughs) Keith. So then the Titans' defense comes on the field and holds Green Bay to a three-and-out series. I mean, they do nothing. And that accomplishment by the Titans' defense – Then brings the Titans' offense back on the field. They're able to put together a significant drive. They end up putting points on the board, getting a touchdown right before the end of the first half. And you just felt like in that series of events, the Tennessee Titans had a complete football team on the field. It felt like the Titans' defense was able to secure the momentum that was almost lost. You're seeing both sides of the ball contribute. That quarter was a microcosm of the whole game, which was both sides of the ball are going to be involved in this game, and they are going to be working together to make this a successful day for the Titans. So I couldn't pick a single play out of that because every single thing impacted the next thing. Well, because it was Dylan for a run up the middle for one, Dylan up the middle for three, and then Rodgers with the intentional grounding at the half-yard line that was nearly a safety. Right. And to get him off the field right there, that's what I was going to pick. I was going to pick the Rodgers grounding because it was such a big moment. Let me just ask you a question and just answer honestly. If you're Mike Vrabel and you have fourth and a little bit more than a yard, do you kick it right there and make it 10-6 to or do you go for it? What do you say, Rhett? Go for it. You go for it. Yeah. You've got Derrick Henry, man. I think i go for it, too. I would say I would go for it in that situation. In some games, I would kick it. Right. But in that game, I would have gone for it, too. I understood the decision. So when they went for it and they didn't make it, I didn't feel like they had missed an opportunity. I felt like, well, that's what you should do. You should go for it in that situation because it just felt like being aggressive was going to be the play you had to make on the road in Green Bay. And so when they stopped him, got it back, and went in and scored, to me, it validated that decision. Absolutely. And to your point, it was an 18-play, 62-yard drive that stalled and died at the Green Bay six-yard line. So, yeah, you're right there knocking on the door. Yeah, I would have gone for it right there. Well, I just thought even like the interception that came later when it was 27-17, to mm-hmm. and I'm sure there were a lot of people who went, oh, man, why are you? Why throw the ball right there? 
Well, my feeling being in the stadium, and sometimes you get a very different feeling being in the stadium, just like going for it right there. It's like, yeah, throw the ball. Okay, yeah, it was a bad pass. Guy, guy dropped off into coverage. It was the only big mistake Tannehill made the whole night. But it didn't feel like they had just lost the game. If you were there, it felt like, okay, we're going to go right back out and get the ball back. And that's what they did. Yep. And I think when you're playing in that way, when you're saying they, they weren't playing recklessly, they were just playing Aggressive. aggressively. Yep. And I liked it. I mean, as hot as your quarterback is right there, draw him in. See if you can get that touchdown, make it a three score game. Yeah, it was a pick. And I think everybody at home was probably of the expectation Aaron Rodgers is going to take it down the field and the Titans are going to lose this game 31 to 27. I get it. But it never felt like it in the stadium. It, it felt like the Titans were the better team, and they had made a mistake there, and now they were going to make up for it. And they did. It felt like the Titans were fully in control of that game, even if statistically it doesn't look that way necessarily when you look at the numbers afterwards. It felt like the Tennessee Titans were driving the ship. All night. All night long, but especially after that second quarter. That was kind of the mark where I was like, oh, this is the Titans game. And it turned out to be the case. All right, Rhett, your play that turned the game. Mine is the first play of the fourth quarter. Because we thought this Ryan Tannehill pass to Austin Hooper was eventually, or early on, was an incompletion. And I remember you saying during the broadcast, I wonder if Mike Vrabel's going to challenge this and... Well, let me, let me just set it for folks from, yeah. our, from our standpoint. So they throw down the middle to Hooper in the end zone, and the ball obviously has come out, and Rudy Ford, a defensive back, is running the other way with it. And the official immediately signals incomplete pass. For us, we don't have a real-time look at it outside of just seeing the game. So when the ball's out... And the official is signaling incomplete pass. That's what we're going with. Right, because, you go with the official. <laughs> because that's all we know. If it had been at Nissan Stadium, where the press box is much lower, might have had a better natural look at it. But then when they went to replay, which I think they thought in stadium they were doing to help themselves, it turns out Hooper has caught the ball, is laying on his back with complete possession of the ball, and while the play is dead, meaning he's caught it in the end zone, play is over, Ford rips it out and runs the other way. Well, for the official, I could see where it was a strange view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it just looked, it was sort of a bang, bang there. And I thought, give New York credit. They just said, nope, we see it. We can save you the time. This is a national television game. We want to keep it moving. It's a touchdown. Yeah. And, you know, but it was a... It was a bizarre circumstance because Vrabel's got the challenge flag out ready to go, and all of a sudden, here comes Bill Vinovich with word that he's gotten in his ear that New York has overruled it. It was a situation of all of the kind of systems that they have put in place actually working. But there are some people who don't like the fact that Big Brother can just chime in whenever they want to. I liked it last night. <laughs> yeah, I like it when it works for well, us. <laughs> I understand, but but I'm saying. I, I, no, I totally understand what there, you're saying. There are some there are conspiracy theorists and others, and then there are people who are just genuinely concerned 
that we're going to have more than seven officials on the field, that we actually have 10 or 15 officials on the field. Sets of eyes, Counting yes. people in New York just making ruling. Right. But I think that – I think that for where we are with officiating right now and the way that we are seeing it evolve and the way that they are trying so desperately to find people to be officials and they're trying to get more people in the system, I think you almost need for a while some extra sets of eyes to make sure that the, I don't see it as a big brother situation. I see it as quality control. And I think that's what the league wants it to be. So maybe I'm just a sucker. But... I see it as quality control. The one thing I, I would say to, to agree with what Mike is saying, though, even for the hardcore fan all the way to the conspiracy theorist, there is the reason I think that drives that line of thought. Think about this. What's the one thing the NFL is not? Transparent. And they'll never show you the inside of that control room in New York where they're doing all this stuff for these games, especially when it's just one game. You're the show like you were last night. Sure. And so there's a concentrated effort there. So I can see where you can easily go down that rabbit trail. So, you know, but again, it worked in the Titans' favor. I thought it was the play because it was great because you went back out point pending 10 points in front of. Right. Mike Vrabel didn't have to use the challenge flag. And Which I thought huge. when that happened, because this is still before the Tannehill interception, but I still thought – this is the kind of thing it's going to take to get this done. Right. To get the win. And 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 then he did. And and it really took away from the fact that it was a great throw by Tannehill. And it was a super catch by Hooper. And it was a really big play because what went on after it took away some of what should have been the drama in the moment. Although, again, I'll have to say, I don't really blame the official because I can see in real time – how you could not tell. And he was very definitive, came running in with an incomplete pass signal. And so on radio, that's what I went with. You know, I'm just saying, okay, it's an incomplete pass because he was very definitive. He was not chasing forward with the ball. They're running up the sidelines, and that went on for quite a while. He ran pretty far. (laughs) And they're blowing whistles, and, and there was a certain moment I thought to myself, Am I living outside my body? Am I missing <laughs> something here? Because there's all this stuff happening, and they've just signaled incomplete pass. And then when you saw, like, the third replay, there was a shot where it became very obvious that Austin Hooper had caught the ball and was laying on his back. But to your defense, and you said this on the broadcast, there was a there was also a couple angles where it looked like it could have been right. a turnover. It bounced, and so it then like you want to be... Like he might have been juggling it. Yeah. And Ford ripped it away from it. Right. So then you want to be careful about calling for a review and then it doesn't go in your favor. Well, it goes in exactly the other right. way. Because, yeah, what if Mike Vrabel had said challenge flag and it turns out Hooper was juggling it. It's a turnover. And it's a turnover. And you've lost a challenge. Right. You've lost a challenge and you've lost the ball in the end zone. Because the one yeah. thing I noticed last night is when it got to 20 to 9 and they had an 11-point advantage, that Lambeau crowd got very quiet. Very quiet. They're frustrated. And when that happened yeah, again mad. to go back to a 10-point lead, again, it was like the, the wind was let out of their sails. They were a very interactive crowd, the, the Packers fan base. <laughs> They, I mean, it's a very intimate experience there. They're chatting with the players. They're chatting with people on the field. I mean, 
they're they're very involved. Like it's a community of but, football. Yeah. There's wow. no question. All right, so my play that we're still on first down. <laughs> my play that turned the game was the first Traylon Burks deep ball, the 43-yarder. And I thought it set a tone for the whole night. I thought it set a tone for Traylon Burks. I thought it set a tone for Ryan Tannehill. And for the Titans to go down and score and take the lead less than five minutes into the game, I thought that was a huge factor on a Thursday night. Mike Vrabel had been talking about energy. And when we watched the team go out for the walkthroughs on Tuesday and Wednesday, and that's all they were. They weren't real practices. They were walkthroughs. Yet, the players were still running around. They were still running station to station. They were still, even though it was not full speed and pads and everything, they were still energetic. It was not a typical walkthrough situation where things at a at a jog or a half speed. I mean, these guys were trying to get going, and by scoring early, that gave them that burst of energy, and I thought the Traylon Burks play was what started it. Great night for that young man. Had 13 for 153 going into that game. Obviously missed four games with the turf toe, but you you kind of felt like, because he was getting towards this before the turf toe happened, had a nice you know showing against the Broncos, but really turned it up and turned it up under the bright lights. Well, and the two deep balls. I mean, for him to get over the top twice and sort of prove the theory we've been talking about in terms of the difference he can make in the offense, he's a special young man, and I think he's going to be a really good player for this team. And he showed that to a lot of people on national streaming last night. I guess not really national television. A lot of people stream on their TVs. That's true. Yeah. All right, second down is the stat that grabbed your attention, Rhett Bryan. I get this one courtesy of a former Titan, Jarrett Payton, son of the great Hall of Famer Walter Payton, and I thought this was very interesting. Derrick Henry is the first player with 20-plus carries, two-plus completions passing, a rushing and a passing touchdown in a game since 1983. And the last person to do that? Walter Payton. You got it. But I'm like, wow. What a crazy stat. The king did kingly things last night. <laughs> kingly things. That's good, right? Mine seems very juvenile compared to that. That's a very good football stat. There's history. There's all kinds of good things. Mine's pretty lame, but I think it's important nonetheless. The Titans scored four touchdowns. That's the most points the Tennessee Titans have scored all season. Sure. That really catches my attention because week after week, we've been saying the Titans need to score more points. And it sounds like a very basic thing, but you've got to put but points it, on the board to win the ball game. And this is an example of the Titans' offense finally generating the momentum, being as effective as we need them to be. This is the Tennessee Titans continuing to grow throughout the season. Well, you hit it right. I mean, the points thing, while it is oftentimes kind of a, um, it sounds like it's obvious. Low-hanging fruit. Well, it sounds like it, but it's really not because – the teams that make the playoffs and the teams that are successful in the playoffs are teams that score 25 or more points a game on average. The Titans came into that game last night averaging just over 18 points per game. That won't get it done. It, it just won't. So you've got to be able to go over 30, and that's the next challenge for this team. But I, I think it's a, it's a really good point because it's a statement about what you're able to do. I mean, the fact that they gained 408 yards, the fact that they were 7 of 13 on 
third downs, things of that sort. I mean, it's a big deal. And, yeah, I've, low-hanging fruit or not, it's it's dead on. Yeah, cool stat, though, well, your stat You killed it. <laughs> well, your stat wasn't lame. Your stat was way more important than what Derrick Henry did, but he contributed to the stat that you uh, laid out there. My stat is 0 for 2 on fourth down for Green Bay. The Titans had come into that game allowing 14 of 17 fourth down conversions. For as good as they had been on third down, they were allowing over 80% fourth down conversions. And that's a bigger stat now than in years past because more people go on fourth down. And to get them off the field twice on fourth down is a big deal. The uh, Aaron Rodgers throw that was just really a kind of a strange moment in the game where he he basically threw it away and then the stop on the on the run at the end was just so big and and David Long is credited with the tackle but there were a lot of guys that stacked that thing up and I mean he didn't even he didn't even get close not even close so 0 for 2 on fourth down is mine it's halftime of the OTP4D and time to remind you about our friends at Duncan and the new Duncan Rewards program you can start saving and stacking your way to free Duncan. Then use your points on things like free donuts or free coffee or a free breakfast sandwich. Whatever you'd like, you can do it with your Duncan rewards. Save them, stack them, use them however you want. America runs on Duncan. Terms apply. Do you want to give me some Duncan rewards right now? I, I think we could use some Duncan right now because <laughs> we're we are, pretty we tired. Are, we are running on fumes, undoubtedly. Third down, area where the Titans must improve from last night. Amy, this is a little tough because they played a pretty complete game, but I'll give you the first crack at it. Well, they did play a complete game, and so I went back to address some of the things that we've brought up in previous third downs. But, I mean, time of possession, they got penalties. They only had two. And they were both on kickoffs, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. They, I mean, fumbles weren't an issue Drops were cleaned up substantially. Third down efficiency, they were 7-13. to 13. I mean, There's so many things that we've talked about that seemed like the Tennessee Titans really cleaned up in that last game. So, I mean, the only thing I can think of is you can't let Ryan Tannehill get sacked three times, but you didn't have Ben Jones. And realistically, the offensive line played a pretty solid game. I think they did. So you can't even really complain about that. I, I'm at a loss, Rhett. I'm tagging it over to you, buddy. Do you have one? I'm just going to take a flyer that, uh, you know, it's going to seem lame, but it is important. And the one place I think they need to improve, and they're going to get it with 10 days after this game, is health. They need to improve in health. They've got to get back Ben Jones. They've got to get some of these guys back onto the playing field so that they can make a stretch run right here. I know that's lame, but I know it's also important to the game. I couldn't pick apart much of anything from this game. You touched on all of it. Uh, You looked at all of those things, and there's all the earmarks of a win. You lost the turnover battle, but you lived to tell about it because it didn't result in any points. You won time of possession. You won on third down. All of those things. So I'm going to give them a pass, but I would like them to get healthy. For me, special teams, I don't think they had a bad night. I just think they can play better. They gave up three punt returns for 42 yards including a 24-yarder where the punter had to make the tackle. Uh, They gave up five kickoff returns for 108 yards. The kicker had to make a tackle one time. They've been better in both of those areas. They need to be better. They had the penalties on special teams. Stonehouse didn't have his best night. 
Had the punt when you needed it at the end. He did. He had the but punt you're when right. you needed it at the they end. They had an average to a little subpar. Yeah, it, was not it was cold. It was cold, <laughs> but they, and they it had a Windy. guy not stumbled at one point coming off the edge, too. He'd have had a real chance to block a punt. So I don't know what that was quite about. And then Josh Lambeau didn't hit the kicks in the end zone. Okay. Well, I mean, he's he's just come back. I mean, this is a guy who hadn't kicked in a game in over a year. And he missed an extra point. By so, the way, the PAT that hit the upright, did you, did you, in the moment, did you hear it? I mean, it was, it screamed, man. It was, but the whole thing was special teams wise. I just didn't think it was their best night. I think they're good. I think they have a chance to really be good. And I think if they can step that level up, that has a chance to give them an advantage in maybe several games, but it could put them over the top in a game down the stretch. The performance last night wouldn't have done that. And again, this is this is grading in a different way because it's a very complete game, but I just didn't think it was their best game, and I think they can do better. That's all. Mike Keith's a tough grader. I'm a the, tough grader. The reason that this special teams unit is good, though, the, the earmark for me is to he- I hear when you – are getting with Coach Vrabel for the keys to the game and the things that he so graciously gives us time to do Titans Countdown, he gets excited when he's talking about special teams. He, well, he feels they're just so close from busting one, and I think they will. It's made such a difference over the last eight games in terms of how it has changed field position. When they have lost some other stats, it's like a team may outgain them significantly – but because the Titans are gaining so much in change of possession from their punting, they're gaining 15, 20, 25 yards. They're winning the hidden yardage. Well, and the, the opponent has to go further. So instead of having to go from their own 40 for 60 yards for a touchdown, now they're having to go from their own 15 or 20. And the thing that this defense does well is even when it gives up yards, they, they're like, okay. You know, and it's what we used to say about the Ravens' defense. And I'm not saying that they're this type of defense yet, but I'm saying they have this quality. You make a first down, okay, great. You make another first down, oh, great. But at some point, we're going to get you, and we're going to get off the field. When you change field position in that way, making them make one or two more first downs potentially gets you off the field. And that's what they've done well, particularly with third down, is they've gotten people into third down, and then they've gotten off the field. So that's it for me. All right, fourth down. Your player of the game. Who wants to go first? Ladies first. I'll go first. My player of the game is Ryan Tannehill. He had a great game. I mean, 22-27, 333 yards, two touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. But seeing his poise, seeing the way that he controls a game, seeing the way that he has continued to improve and grow throughout this season and seeing it in contrast to Aaron Rodgers, who is a great quarterback, but who is noticeably frustrated and who is not maintaining the same level of composure that Ryan Tannehill is right now. I was so proud that Ryan Tannehill is our guy. I think he's tough. I think that he's an incredible athlete. I think that he is only getting better as a leader and as the person who is running this offense. It's like every single week I'm impressed by him for some reason. 
And it's not always what shows up on the stat sheet. It's everything else. And to see him in contrast to someone like Aaron Rodgers, who, of course, has had an incredible career, blah, blah, blah. But he is not the same. He doesn't hold himself the same way that Ryan Tannehill does. And I was incredibly proud of Ryan Tannehill. What could you tell down on the field? And we could tell a few things from body language from – eight stories up where we were, but what could you tell from the field that you were seeing with Aaron Rodgers? He's frustrated. He doesn't seem to have the same fight, the same passion, the same, like, he's not motivating his teammates. He's not even interacting with his teammates a lot of the time. He, I mean, even on the field, no one's really around him. And it's odd. It's, the dynamic is strange. And, the fact that you can notice something like that on the field when, I mean, everybody's got their own thing to do. Like, it's not like people are hanging out on the field. Sure. You know, they're they're there for a reason. They're doing a job. But with Ryan Tannehill, he's talking to people. He's interacting with people. On the sideline, Aaron Rodgers isn't doing that unless he's yelling at somebody. He just doesn't seem to have the same relationship with his team that Ryan Tannehill has with his. Interesting. Yeah, and so, uh, I mean, for all the things, he played an incredible game, Ryan Tannehill. He managed it incredibly well. I'm very proud of all the statistical things and, of course, getting the win. But it's all the extra stuff. That's what caught my attention, and that's what made me so glad that he's our guy. Mine would have been Ryan Tannehill, and I totally understand why you did that because he was a huge difference maker. And so I will just parlay with, with Derrick Henry, 130 yards from scrimmage. Two for two passing. Had a passer rating just a little under what Ryan Tannehill had, but threw one. Great jump pass. Great play there. Had 28 tough carries for 87 yards and a score against uh, a, a formidable run defense in the Packers. They made it tough on him last night. But uh, those two guys together, man, that's a great combination. I could say Traylon Burks, seven catches for 111. But I kind of have expected him to do this, so I'm not going to say him. I'm going with Aaron Brewer. You have to replace Ben Jones, which is really hard. You have to play a position in the NFL that you have not played. He had played center at Texas State. He started 15 games there, but his work in the NFL has been at guard, and he stepped in, and you didn't have a bunch of snap problems. Might have been a little low or a little wide a couple times, but Nothing that threw a playoff, so you wasted no plays with poor snaps. The communication had to be okay. I mean, you get there were there were three sacks, but I mean, if the communication wasn't okay, there could have been ten sacks. And he just plays with a toughness and a grit. But back to the original point of it, he stepped in for Ben Jones. And the sight of John Robinson holding the phone. With Ben Jones. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Go so back and watch that. If you have not seen it, OT people, John Robinson has him on FaceTime and is holding the phone to where when the teammates come up the ramp into the locker room, the first person they see is John Robinson and the second person they see is Ben Jones. Yep. Quite a moment. Quite a moment and, and quite special. And well, hopefully Ben will be back. But I think Aaron has gained some trust and some confidence that if he has to do that again, and and he might be the center down the line. You know, there are a lot of people who, football people, who believe that he is a center, particularly with his lack of size, that it might be better suited to there. But I just thought he did a nice job. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Yeah, and you think this team – how much does this team love Ben Jones? They loved him enough to do that last night. I mean, that was – that was a great moment after a great football game. You could make an argument for the player, too, to be Austin Hooper. That dude is surging now. In two games, <clears throat> nine catches, 77 yards, two scores. Moving in the right direction. Moving in the right direction, undoubtedly. Chigakonkwo is coming mm-hmm. on. Uh, they're going to get Kyle Phillips back very soon, which is exciting. Traylon Burks is back. They're able to use Dontrell Hilliard as – a bit of a change-up for a while. He was becoming a big part of the offense because he was having to basically be on the field for every significant passing down. What you want that running back out of the backfield to be is somebody that you don't notice when he sneaks in the game, much like what was happening early in the year. And hopefully that can continue to happen. But the uh, the offensive production building and the defense doing it with whomever they put on the field, which in some cases, was a guy like Greg Maben who rejoined the team this week after being waived August the 30th, so not having played football for two and a half months. It's incredible. It's incredible what He's they playing are. snaps against Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. Yeah. Just welcome back. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> it's incredible what they're able to get these guys to do and the way that they're able to get them up to speed so quickly. The other question, too, or the other thing that I was going to mention was the play of Trey Avery coming on because, listen, so Trey Avery makes this team out of training camp as a rookie undrafted, and they're really up on him. And then he has to play against Buffalo. And, I mean, that was a scorching. I mean, it was a scorching for a lot of people. But you're a rookie out of Rutgers, and you're going against Josh Allen on Monday Night Football and the Titans aren't doing anything right, and that's your first time out there. And It's not a fun day. Not fun. But guess what? Later in the season, he gets a chance on Thursday night football, and he bounced back. He made a couple of really good plays and stuck his nose in there and did what he needed to do. And, you know, the Titans may have found another one there. You worried about his confidence, you know, and, and he didn't play corner for seven weeks in a game. Played special teams. He didn't play corner. Right. And uh, they got him back in there. And he's an interesting He's an interesting prospect. Certainly a, a guy who has added something already this year and maybe will continue to add more. We shall see. But we are off for a little while. Uh, hopefully you will enjoy the bye weekend, the mini bye as we call it, at 7-3. and three. And the Titans will be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals a week from Sunday. But that is going to do it for this edition of our podcast. For Rhett, Brian, and Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, thanking you for listening to the OTP 4D.